Welcome everybody to the Modern Day Overthinker podcast. My name is Colin and I am your host. This week's episode is with Medina Alam. She is a licensed clinical mental health counselor. She is also the director of clinical operations for NoCD and a yoga instructor, certified one. We had a great conversation and what to expect on this episode is a conversation about ERP therapy, Medina's experience with yoga philosophy and the similarities to ERP therapy. ERP stands for Exposure Response Prevention. And it is basically known as the gold standard for obsessive compulsive disorder therapy and treating obsessive compulsive disorder. We discussed also virtual therapy positives, your relationship with your therapist, learning lessons from yoga, some lessons that she has learned from yoga, mindfulness, self-compassion, self-care, being too hard on yourself, a lot of good stuff, a lot of things that many people can relate to. Definitely a solid episode with the solid guests. Enjoy this episode, Modern Day Overthinker, with Medina Alam. to be here thanks for having me yeah it's awesome uh thank you for reaching out when i was looking for guests and yeah i'm always looking for more professionals to interview that are in the field uh and sounds like you have a variety of things we can talk about which is great uh you currently work for a company that i really like and i've been supporting for a couple years now and I actually use their services and that's no CD and you've been with them for two years now you said about two years yeah a little over two years awesome so you are a I have your brief bio here you're currently the director of operations um, and so you do a lot of coaching with providers when you say providers do you mean like with insurance companies or Oh, no, the therapists. Oh, the th- with the therapist directly? Okay. So, and how long have you been? Uh, so obviously you were a practicing therapist for a while as well, still are, or where are you at with that? Yeah, so the cool thing about my role is I do a lot of um, helping with the clinical and operational aspects of the therapist, but also I get to be in the weeds and still see members at NoCD as well. Awesome. So you get to mix that up. That's cool. Yeah. How long have you been uh, been practicing and doing therapy sessions? Yeah, therapy in general. I think I'm coming up. I feel like I'm. I, I'm acting like I'm 90 or something. But I think <laughs> it's been like six years now. Um, out of out of grad school, um, and then exclusively practicing. Um, mainly with OCD and anxiety disorders for the last two and a half years. So were you kind of just, what made it more, when did you start adapting and uh, specifically doing OCD and anxiety? What kind of sparked that and triggered that, uh, for lack of a better focus, I should say? Yeah, I know before we hopped on the recording, we were talking a little bit about um, my background in yoga. Mm -hmm. And so the cool thing about the type of therapy we do when we treat OCD is it's very similar to a lot of yoga philosophy. Um, And so 
after I finished my undergrad, I took a year off and I took, did yoga school and I just taught yoga for a year, which let me tell you if money were no object, I would do, I would do that full time. <laughs> um, it is really amazing. But the, the, the crux of um, exposure response prevention, which is the type of therapy that we do at NoCD is mm-hmm. very similar to a lot of what we learn in yoga school. And so when I fell upon ERP, I just knew I had to keep doing it. I can't ever imagine doing another type of therapy just because it it just sits so close to home. I love practicing it myself. I love being able to teach other people how to do those things and skills as well. So do you have any any, any personal experience with OCD yourself or is it just more you've learned a lot about it from talking with patients and you know learning about it in school or so I don't, um, I don't personally struggle with OCD. No. Um, but I do love the concepts when I say like that sits close to home is, um, like anyone I have anxious thoughts. And so being mm-hmm. able to use those skills in in place of what anxiety wants me to do has been really helpful. And, um, I think it does help me with my members because I under, I understand to a certain degree, right. It's obviously a different degree in flavor, um, you know, what they're struggling with and, and ways to help them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause we all have, we all have those anxious thoughts to deal with. So that makes sense. Yeah. I think, and it's basically, so just, I know what ERP therapy is, but just for those that aren't aware of it, give us a brief kind of maybe a generic definition of ERP for those who don't know what it is? Sure. I think of it in two ways. So it's the exposure, or I guess two parts. So the exposure part, which is uh, purposefully either provoking an anxiety or a fear or approaching some sort of fear that we have. And then the response prevention piece, which is essentially preventing ourselves or, or redirecting ourselves from responding in the way that we typically would respond. So when it comes to OCD, the fear is what the obsession is. So someone might be scared, for example, I'll use the most generic example um, that they could get someone sick. And so that would be what we would expose them to as situations that provoke that fear. Mm-hmm. And then we would help teach them how to change the way they typically respond. Typically, they might wash their hands excessively or doing do excessive cleaning rituals. And so we would work together to... Um, get them to redirect their behavior or their response. Yeah, that's a good way to explain it. Yeah, it's, uh, I, most people seem to understand it. And the last person I explained it to was like, wow, that sounds tough. I'm like, yeah, it's not yeah. easy. That's for sure. But it's yeah. the best, the best approach. Obviously, you know that, and I know that, and it's been clinically proven that it's the best approach when it comes to OCD. Yeah. And I think you bring up such a good point. It does sound tough and it is tough. And I always like to remind my members that, um, and by the way, when you guys hear members, that's what we call our clients at NoCD. Um, so it's, it's hard to switch around the lingo members, clients, uh, yeah. wait to this thing, but, um, it's we're exchanging that short-term relief that the typical behavior would give. We can think of a compulsion in that moment, but we can also think just anyone who's listening, who doesn't have OCD, you know, behaviors like substance use or, you know, unhealthy eating habits or making poor decisions in the moment, those things feel better, but long-term they're causing us distress and interference in our lives. And we're exchanging that, right. We're purposefully making ourselves feel uncomfortable in the moment for that long-term relief. So we're, we're kind of swapping it. So it is tough for sure. Yeah. And as long as people are aware of that from the get go and like that, they know what they're up against. So you don't really surprise them and like, surprise, this is really hard. This is difficult, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was, that was made aware of to me right away when I first started doing ERP and I've kind of done it on and off for years, but more consistently over the last like year and a half, two years. And cause I've been, I've been using no CD and I've known about no CD for since it was just like, just getting off the ground 
like, nah, I don't, don't want to say 10 years ago, but when it was like more of an idea than it was even like what it is now, you know? Yeah. Uh, like we just had the app. Yeah. When it just the app and that's all it really was. And it, yeah. it, there was no therapy. And, um, the, I can never remember his last name. Steven, right? Yeah. This, uh, this, uh, CEO, Stephen Smith. Yeah. Stephen Smith. Uh, I did a, when I was running a blog, I was running a blog for college students a long time ago. And I don't remember if I reached out to him or if he reached out to me. And I did like a, I did a blog post about no CD when it was just the app. And uh, yeah, I'm friends with him on Facebook and everything. And just from like a long time ago. And uh, I've watched this thing just morph into the the huge platform that it is today. And it's awesome to see that. And he's done a really good job with what he's done and continues to do with, with no CD. Um, it's really awesome. Yeah, we're growing so fast. And that's great. You're like uh, an OG member. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't even really a member. I didn't really pay that much attention to it. I liked the idea of it. And I was just like, and when that was going on, I was not focused on my mental health at all. Um, So I was like, this is really cool, but I'm not going to do it um, because I was not focused on my mental health and I was in a bad place. And, you know, when you brought up substance abuse, I had that in my background as well. And I was deep into my substance abuse at that time. So, Mm. I definitely knew about it, but I didn't really, you know, understand what was going on and what, uh, you know, the, you know, what it was, try- what he was trying to accomplish. And now I've seen that. And it's awesome now that I have had a clear mind for many years now. Uh, but yeah, and then they even got, you know, the additional funding that has happened and you know, getting to know uh, some of the people that work there, like I've gotten to know Jenna pretty well. And, uh, you know, my therapist, uh, I won't put her on, I don't put her name on blast, but I'll tell you after we're recording who that is. And I like her a lot as well. And uh, yeah, it's just, um, it's a really cool platform. And very i like the hyper focus that it has on because i've had therapists in the past uh, many therapists in the past where it was like yeah they say they know about ocd and they know they understand it and they seem to understand it and you know get the concept but as far as the approach and how to combat it i've gotten kind of mixed things and uh it's really refreshing to have a platform that really understands it and is run by people who really understand it. I mean, up all the way to the CEO. Cause I know Steven, that's why he started this whole thing is because he struggles with OCD or probably still probably struggles less, but still has to deal with it. It's not something that just completely goes away. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. I mean, for the listeners, you know, whether it's OCD or whatever it is that you're struggling with, getting a specialist is super important. Yes. Um, especially because I think of even psychology today. I don't know if people are familiar with that platform, but you can, you know, put in your zip code and find a provider or therapist in your area. And a lot I of tell them- everybody about that. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's not worth mentioning again if you talk about it a lot, but yeah, fine. No, no, bring it up as much as possible, please. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> well, just like on those platforms, you'll see that, you know, the provider has identified, you know, 12, 15, 20 different disorders that they specialize in. And so when you are looking for a therapist, interview them before you decide to, you know, come on board with them. How would you treat this? Um, and, you know, there should be some research backed evidence to the type of modality they're they're choosing to use. Um, cause there's a lot of therapy that's actually counterproductive, um, and can assess, um, you know, worsen OCD symptoms essentially. Um, so you want to make sure you're getting the right type of treatment. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But yeah, psychology today is probably one of the better resources out there to try to find a therapist. Um, 
obviously, if you have OCD, use an OCD. We're we're gonna plug that all day but until they sponsor me. Um, but uh, <laughs> the, uh but yeah, psycho. I've re- I've ha- I actually have a link to that and a bunch of other online resources uh, and apps and uh, where you can find therapy because uh, one. I mean, obviously the pandemic has been terrible for a lot of reasons, but one silver lining is the opportunity to seek therapy virtually has been just blown, has blown up and there's been more opportunities than ever, I think, to see a therapist uh, just because of the option to do it virtually. I don't know if you disagree or agree with that, but it seems to be something good that has come out of the pandemic, I guess. Totally. I think a big, well, not, I don't think it, it, the reality of that situation is being specialized in ERP is not super, super common. And so to find a specialist in your area that you could physically go to their office is, was just not happening. So you can't literally, like I, I live in North Carolina right now, but I'm licensed in New York. So, so many of the individuals I see actually live in New York, but I'm able to help them And I'll take it a step further, the ability to have my member in their actual environment when I'm walking them through exposures is so important um, because it's such a behavioral type of treatment. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That makes a lot of sense. And some people, I've heard some people, you know, bash on the whole telehealth thing because they're like, oh, well, everything's better in person and I'm like, it in person's obviously ideal, but it's better than nothing at all. <laughs> like, I mean, they're doing nothing. And I've haven't really noticed that much of a difference after a being, uh, being, you know, in, I was in person with a therapist for many years and going to telehealth ever since, even with my psychiatrist, I see virtually because she's in Iowa City, and I don't want to drive an hour to go see her when I can just see her on the computer. And uh, I haven't noticed a difference in my level of care. It's it it's been, if anything, more convenient for me. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm such a skeptic when it comes to OCD. So I think uh, even that statement of people saying. Oh, I'm I'm not going to get the best kind of care if I'm not seeing my provider in person, and that's really just I think anxiety or OCD's way of getting in the way of you actually getting help because what's mm-hmm. really the only way that you can find out if telehealth is effective? Well, it's to engage in telehealth and see, but not yeah, <laughs> so bashing I- something you never tried. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, if you're if you're listening to this and you're skeptical about telehealth, I would at least give it give it a go. Yeah, give it a, at least a few sessions. And I recently started seeing a new therapist because I don't just have OCD, and I wanted to focus my no CD sessions on OCD, obviously. So I started seeing another therapist through another app uh, through BetterHelp. And uh, I was a little skeptical after my first session of just my therapist. Uh, And and then so I talked to my no CD therapist about it. And she's like, well, give them a chance. You're still kind of at the beginning stages. And I'm just like, okay. So, um, and I have... uh, and therapist is it's the most and having a therapist the relationship is it's a very it's a kind of an intimate relationship it's can in compare i can compare it to an actual relationship like with the significant other where it's like you don't want to break up with them right away or you know you know you don't know like who else you're gonna get and stuff like that it's kind of a weird thing i don't know if you understand what i'm where i'm what i'm getting at but it's um it's like i don't know maybe this will get better over time or do i just need to cut ties now or you know things like that because i've had i've had bad therapists in the past where i've seen for too long where i'm like i don't know why i kept going you know yeah yeah i can definitely be a struggle 
helpful to find someone that you really mesh with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely hear that. And yes, it's a unique, it's a very unique relationship because they know such intimate details about your life and you know nothing or at least near to nothing about them. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not a two way street by any means. Yeah. Which I get it. It's a professional thing. I get it. I still try to nitpick at my therapist and try to get to know more, but I'll get some things out of them, but I don't always get, cause I, you know, I, I, I've learned how to be an interviewer in a way. So I ask questions and, you know, I don't always get answers, but you know, I try. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, so much about me. I know nothing about you. This isn't fair. I'm just kidding. But it's, <laughs> but it's uh, something I've actually thought about doing. And the, my issue is with becoming a therapist is uh, I have such a weird relation. I had such a weird relationship with school in the past. Uh, now that I've been out of school for so long, it's kind of like, I'm not sure. Um, and it's, it's also a fear of mine too, you know, going back to school and having to, you know, get back into that kind of mode again and student mode. And, you know, part of me thinks I'm ready. Part of me is like, no, you're not ready. You're not, you shouldn't ever do this, you know, but I also have anxiety. So it's fun to deal with that one, but that one I'm kind of just slow playing it. But I think eventually that might be the route that I want to take because I'm just been so passionate about, mental health in general and helping other people as much as possible. And I think a good start is by just having this podcast and kind of building from that and seeing what goes, seeing what happens from there, really. Yeah, that's amazing. You always want to, I always tell individuals, try your best to align your behaviors with what you value over what you fear. Um, So you can take that nugget of of words, I guess. I don't want to say, be so bold to say wisdom, but, um, Mm -hmm. and use with it what you want. Yeah, I know. I totally get it. It's, uh, it's definitely something I understand. It's, uh, easier said than done sometimes, but yeah, I totally get it. So also wanted to talk to you about, I mean, your, how you, you know, you went to yoga school and became a yoga instructor, and that's kind of helped steer you into the path of focusing on ERP and anxiety and OCD. And what, uh, so after you got out of grad school, what kind of sparked, were you just doing yoga a lot? And you're like, I just want to become an instructor. Or how did that come about? Yeah, I was doing a lot of yoga at the time. Um, It was actually, so it was between my undergrad and my grad work that I went to yoga school because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with my grad work. But I I distinctly remember discovering yoga and I guess I don't want to make a long, I kind of want to try to make a long story short. There's not too many details, but Mm. um, at the time I was, maybe not the healthiest when it came to like my eating patterns and things like that. And so when I went to yoga, I was, I was doing this hot yoga class and I really realized how important it was to um, like nourish your body and to make sure that it's fueled. So Mm -hmm. I think that was like a really cool learning lesson that yoga taught me kind of indirectly. And so then I started to practice more and I realized there was a lot of indirect lesson learning, if you will, while practicing. Um, almost kind of like your yoga mat is a microcosm of the real world. Like how do you respond when things get difficult? And that can be a physical kind of difficulty can be a mental sort of difficulty where like, I just don't feel like being here or like, I want to come out of the pose. And so it's um, choosing different responses to those um, mental and physical distractions or discomforts. Um and so that's really what drew me in and wanted me to keep practicing because I felt like it was teaching me so much more than the hour yoga class. Um, I was seeing that it was manifesting in different ways just throughout my days. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a good way. 
to keep a long story short, you did a good job there. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like uh, one one thing that stands out to me. There's like a few quotes that I love to live by, and one is how you do anything is how you do everything. And so the idea of like how you do yoga is really how you do how you do everything. And um, you know, people listening might not know this, but the yoga yoga essentially has eight different what they call limbs. So eight different, um, I guess parts of it and what we know in the very like westernized part is um the you know you go to a yoga class and you do some stretches and and that's yoga um mm-hmm. but it's so much more than that actually only one limb or one set one part of the eight is what they call asana or physical practice the rest are things that you're doing outside so like um you know refraining from things that give you instant gratification or mm-hmm. um you know, non-attachment or gratitude, like these things that you practice just in your everyday life um, that are just good learning lessons. Yeah, gratitude's an important one. That always triggers a light bulb in my head because it's something that I am terrible at. And well, not terrible, but I've been bad at in the past and trying to get better at. It's just be grateful for what I do have and not what I don't have, you know? Yeah. I always think it's a fine balance because it's easy to kind of beat ourselves up over not being more grateful, which is almost like <laughs> kind of putting us back into the hole. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> and I I love the statement, your pain is your pain. Um, because you hear it all the time, like, oh, like things could be so much worse. And you're absolutely right. They could be, and things could be a lot better. I uh if you if you don't mind, I'll share a quick story. I was uh recently no I was recently diagnosed with uh, something called rhabdo. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I have not, no. Um, well, basically what happened was I did too intensive a workout. My muscle fibers ripped too much and they went into my bloodstream. Long story short, I had to be hospitalized for a week. Ooh. Um, yeah. And so it was, and now I'm blanking on why I'm bringing up this story. What did I say just before that? <laughs> uh, you were talking about gratitude. Oh, yes. So it's this, it's this fine balance because this, what I was diagnosed with, you can actually die not to be morbid, but you literally can die within days. If it's not caught soon enough, mm-hmm. you can have permanent kidney damage, permanent disability. Thankfully I caught it soon enough. And so I hear a lot of people saying like, oh my God, like you're so lucky that it didn't yeah. happen worse, which is totally true and valid. And I was in the hospital for a week and I'm still recovering and it was really scary. And all of that is valid too, because I think a lot of times we get stuck on, oh, like it could have been worse. Like I need to be grateful. Yes, I'm grateful, but well, I, I don't even like the word, but, and I, I try to be very intentional with that word. And yeah. I hate that this happened to me. And so um, something that might be helpful for some of the listeners is that it's not really an or, or a, but it's an, and. I feel really upset today and I'm also really grateful everything that I have today. And those things can exist at the same time. Yeah, that is important. Not other, not everything has to be unicorns and rainbows and <laughs> just the, yeah, yeah. You have to be realistic and also be mindful of, yeah, that was, that was tough. That was, that sucked for lack of a way to put it. Uh, and I had to go through that and I am lucky that I'm still here and can talk about it. Yeah. And I think this is really important too. And it just comes to handling any sort of mental health, you know, situation coming up for us is, um, validating the normalcy of uncomfortable emotions because, instead of being upset at certain certain emotions or things going on for us, we can allow it to be there instead. Because as soon as we're trying to push it away, right? Like, why am I upset over this? I should just be thankful. And I'm just using my example as an example. So please apply it accordingly, whoever's mm-hmm. listening. But it's, it's about finding, again, that balance. Yeah, and ex- accepting it, not fighting. Yes, because I hear it all the time. Like in, in session, like someone will, co- I was just meeting with someone earlier and she's like, I don't know why I'm upset. And she's trying to pull me into figuring out why she's upset over something. 
versus can we just validate that you feel upset? Like there doesn't necessarily have to be a reason. It's how you feel. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's, especially with anxiety disorders, that's the trick that anxiety tries to play is to get you sucked into the rabbit hole of trying to figure out why you feel sad or, or anxious or whatever, or you can accept that you feel that and try your best to move on with your day and recognize that, yeah, as a human, I'm going to feel those emotions from time to time. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be some elaborate thing behind it. Right. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit more about what you kind of touched on, on, on mindfulness that a little bit there, but I do want other people to be able to hear a little bit more about, you know, good practices or any insight you have on self-compassion. Cause that's something I struggle with as well. You know, something I'm growing and gotten better at, but it's still, I'm, you know, I'm my worst own worst enemy as many people have said, but I have been in the past and I continue to be sometimes and yeah, taking care of myself and just being able to give myself a break is tough for me sometimes. And I know it's tough for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a really important topic. Mindfulness and self-compassion, I would say really go hand in hand Mm -hmm. in order to be self-compassionate. You have to be mindful so much of my sessions are consumed with pointing out things people had said had said in session, probably unconsciously, that were just straight up rude <laughs> to themselves, right? Yeah. It's like, wait, let's back up for a second. And so, you know, being aware of how you're talking to yourself is really the first step because if we're not aware, um, you know, we can't change that behavior. So it's slowing down and really inquiring how you're talking to yourself. And then choosing a different response, like it doesn't happen overnight. It's not that you catch it it, automatically. It's that you first recognize, hey, that wasn't the most productive way to phrase that. And now how can I rephrase that? And then, you know, you do that with some time and you eventually get to a place where maybe you are catching it sooner or you're not saying the nasty comment to yourself altogether. Mm. Um, It can feel really hard for people to identify how to be compassionate to themselves in the moment. and so a great uh, way to identify it is ask yourself, what would you say to a loved one or friend? And I know that sounds cliche, but then whenever I ask someone that they instantly know how to respond, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, But yeah, like how would I respond to a friend? Like even like you, if a friend came to you and said they were feeling anxious, you might inquire a little bit why they feel anxious, but you want to drill them with questions and tell them they need to figure it out. You might ask them if they want to go get some ice cream with you or to watch a favorite movie or do an activity. And so it's it's understanding and recognizing the emotion, but taking action with it too and letting the emotion exist there. That is being compassionate to yourself. Because um, it also doesn't mean dwelling in the emotion either. Because I think sometimes you'll find people who maybe are a little bit more emotionally inhibited. Um, almost ignoring the emotion because like, well, what's the point? What's that going to do me any good if I, you know, acknowledge that I'm sad or whatever? Yeah. But we need that acknowledgement in order to take action with it. Yeah. If you don't know what's going on and don't acknowledge that it's there, then how are you supposed to fix it or not fix it or deal with it? I should say. Yeah. Manage it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I try not to use the term fix it because you (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a a really, you you caught yourself. That's a really good catch. But I mean, I think that is like the natural human inclination is we do want to fix it. I want to fix it. Yeah. No one likes feeling that way, right? We can validate that. And when I say like living with these uncomfortable feelings, it doesn't mean you jump up with joy that you feel really crappy today. It's just that you, again, you recognize that that's part of what it means to be human. And how can I manage the best way that I can even though that feeling or that thought or that sensation is living there in the background. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's uh, yeah. Just being aware, the self-awareness and yeah. And mind being mindful of that. And you're talking about cliches and I was talking about that with my last guest as well. And how, when I was not that long ago, probably like, I would say like five, 10 years ago when I was in a different headspace than I am now, I used to see 
or even like when I was younger, like in college, I would see like inspirational quotes or, you know, like mindfulness tips and self-help stuff and be like, oh, gross. This is cheesy. This is stupid, you know, because I, I was just so negative. And now, like, I'm the person like sharing that stuff and like talking about it and hammering home the cliches because, you know, there's a reason that people say these cliches and people talk about them so much is because they make sense and not everything has to be really complicated. Some things are just as simple as, hey, maybe we should be a little bit more aware of, you know, our emotions and just accepting that there are emotions and being able, I don't have a cool cliche off the top of my head to say for that, but you know what I'm talking about. And I'm glad that I've gotten to that point because I know there's other people that are out there and they see probably me sharing these cliches or these, you know, inspirational quotes or whatever it is, these positive things. And they're just like, oh, he's just, you know, he's just too positive or too happy or whatever. And no, it's just like, I'm just trying to, because one of the reasons I do it, not only because I want to, you know, other people to, because it inspires me and I want to inspire others. But another reason to do things like that is because the internet is so toxic and filled with so much negativity. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, if, if someone's, I think of like stages of change, for example, if someone's in a specific stage of change, like they're maybe pre-contemplative or contemplative, meaning they're not ready to take action to change their situation. And this is not something someone consciously goes around like saying like, I'm in pre-contemplative stage, but they're not going to be able to hear those, those, um, those nuggets of truth. Um, And yeah, such a cliche thing that I think of that I say all the time is this too shall pass. And it can be cliche, but it's really the fact of the matter because I even hear people ruin a good mood because they're worrying when it's going to go away. And I was like, like, let's take a step back. That's really interesting. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're, we've all done that and just to normalize it for you and, um, or vice versa, right? If we're in an uncomfortable situation, like, holy crap, when is this going to end? And it's like the good, (laughs) that's the really cliche is the good and the bad news is that nothing lasts forever, but (laughs) it's so true. Um, and yeah, it might just be a, a time where, you know, the individual's not willing to hear at that moment, which isn't and that, bad. And, that, and that's that's how I feel about it. When I look back about how I was during that time, I was not ready or any of that. Yeah. And that's just part of the journey, right? Doesn't I think we've all been in a situation where we were maybe a little stubborn to hearing some of that stuff because for whatever reason, we weren't ready to take action. And, and that in itself taught us something. Yeah. And I feel the same way about, uh, People probably get annoyed by me bringing up that I'm in, that I don't drink and that, you know, I'm in recovery from substance abuse. But I remember very vividly having a roommate right before I decided to quit, you know, self medicating is what I was doing. And before I stopped doing that, I had a roommate that we were both self-medicating together and they brought up, you know, the idea of, Hey, maybe we should try like going to a recovery meeting or something. And I would just, and I remember just laughing at them and just be like, that is stupid. That is a terrible idea. And now I'm the one going to recovery meetings and I don't even know where that person is i don't know how to i can't even get a hold of them i don't know what their life's like we had a falling out so but it's funny how that works how that ended up working out because i was the one like that it sounds terrible that sounds stupid and i'm the one doing that now (laughs) so yeah you weren't ready at the time so oh i definitely was not ready but i was it wasn't far after that conversation like Within a year, I was done. I was 
completely changing my life. It's amazing. It didn't happen that far after that. So, but uh, yeah, I think about, yeah, just my mentality and my perspective has done like a complete 180 over the last few years, just because I've been focused on growth and just trying to become the best version of myself and, you know, the best, you know, I wear multiple hats. Obviously I'm an employee, being a good employee, being a good friend, being a good son, being a good brother, you know, all of that. I'm not married, but, you know, eventually being a good spouse, all of that. And, I eventually would like to be a parent. So being a good parent and just being prepared for that and being the best version of me so I can, because I like giving back and I like being able to help other people. But I also realized that can't really help other people when you're all messed up and not doing well yourself. It's a very good point. You kind of got to be a little bit, um selfish at times I, I that's not the right word but in order to truly be able to be there for other people the way you would like to be there for other people if that makes sense yeah i mean just calling it what it is right taking care of myself so i can take care of other people because yeah i th- that's like a hard word to not use in that context i hear people use it all the time but it has like a negative connotation to yeah, it yeah because they hear and, selfish and they're like nah, yeah <laughs> and that's the part of the self compassion right and logically and i think this is a good good point here to make too is the behavior piece is so important because logically most people know that you know caring for themselves is not necessarily selfish but if their behavior doesn't reflect that belief there's no way that you'll truly feel that. And because we we know that in order to, that's why sometimes it's so hard for us to truly feel something, even if we logically know it's not true because our behavior isn't aligning with our logic. Um, that's the, the place in the brain where the where emotion registers doesn't understand language. And so you have to behave. So if I say logically, I know it's healthy and important for me to engage in self-care, but I never physically engage in self-care. Wouldn't it be surprising if that individual felt like a piece of crap, right? Because they are just not following through with um, yeah behavior piece. And I don't know if that was like, that makes sense as I'm saying it, but. No, it does make sense because yeah, there's been a lot of situations like right now. Uh, one thing I'm trying to work on personally is uh, becoming more of a, becoming more of a, morning person and not like when I when I have days off or you know on the weekends things like that I tend to sleep in way too long um and I think it's kind of somewhat of a coping mechanism for my depression and and my anxiety Mm -hmm. and uh I've been trying to and I know and I'm capable of getting up early. I know it's good for me. I know it's helpful once I get up and get moving. But I beat myself up when I don't do that. And uh, that's something I've been working on as of recently. Or that make the word, what you were just talking about and just describing makes sense. Where like, I know I need to do this. But when I don't do it, I'm like, damn it what's wrong with you? Why are you not doing this right? And just working on that and not using it as another reason to self-sabotage and uh, beat myself up. God, you're like bullying yourself into being, <laughs> yeah. you're like bullying yourself into being more because you're not more self-compassionate right and you can see that that's a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you wake up late for example and you're saying you know oh gosh like you're horrible at this why can't you do this that's not actually putting you in a place of motivation um, and that's actually what the research shows is that the number one reason people are hard on themselves is they believe without that harshness that they won't make changes If you look at the research, it actually shows the exact opposite. When you're hard on yourself like that, it puts you in the worst mindset to actually make the changes. Um, It doesn't mean that you're lax with yourself, but it's like, 
oh, that's interesting that I slept in. Um, what can I do now that I'm up that will be helpful for me versus, you know, whatever it is that it sounds like you're saying initially it's acknowledging like, oh, dang, I wish I did something a little bit differently, but also like, this is the situation and how can I proceed? Yeah. That's like, can't really change what already happened. Yeah. And trust me, I mean, we all do this too. So I was just using your example as a, as a sounding board. (laughs) No, I, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's just like, that's like the most recent thing that I can think of that I'm working on other things too, but that's a big one for me that I'm really trying to be better at and just increasing my productivity in general. There's only so many hours in the day, you know, and there's a lot of stuff I want to accomplish. I have a lot of good things going for me. And, uh, and it, and I think another thing that I do to myself is like, you have so much good things going for you and that you just, you just wasted your day sleeping in. Like you could have been doing this and this and that. And like that type of, that's what I tell myself when I should be saying what you just said, how can I, you know, utilize what's rest of the day, the rest of the day. And what can I do? Um, yeah, taking action because you you could just easily get sucked into like sitting there and thinking about how you just wasted away this time while yeah. you're wasting away more time. Yeah, yeah, yep. It's a uh, cycle. It's a cycle. Yes, it's hard to break. I get it. Yeah, and I and I used to be much more of a. And part of it is like sometimes I do stay up too late too, so it's like I'm a night owl, mm-hmm. and. uh So I'm just, this is me just curious. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, so then why do you have to be a morning person? Is that something that actually is like, I don't know. I I wonder if it's just like, that's decidedly what we're told. Wake up early. The earlier bird gets the worm. Or like, like, I'm a night owl and I'm most productive at nighttime. Well, it's starting to shift though. Uh, So I don't stay up as late as I used to. Sometimes I do. Uh, it depends on who I'm hanging out with. I, um, some of my friends are like to stay out late or I end up in conversation late. Um, yeah, it depends, but I don't stay up as late as I used to. I would like to, I don't know. I, 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 maybe it is a little bit has to do with people I look up to and admire are morning people. I'm not, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I'm just thinking like, I wonder if you accepted who you are. Cause I think something that I teach my members is we know that genetically speaking, some people are just more anxious and some people are more laid back. There are pros and cons to being on either side. Like we know that people who are anxious tend to actually be of I'm going to say, because that's what the research shows of higher intelligence and also higher creativity. And so that's really great. It also comes along with some things that are not so fun. I totally get that. But when someone is anxious and they're meeting with me and I ask them their goal and it's to be a laid back person and not so many words, I like to be upfront with them. Like, I don't know that that is a realistic goal. That's not who you are. Um, I guess like another example I can use that's maybe a little bit more watered down is I love working out and people oftentimes ask me what I do for a workout because I think, you know, I, you know, hopefully this doesn't sound cocky, but I think they look up to me. Right. And so yeah, I, I, get it. T- I like to tell them, like, it's less about like what I'm doing for a workout. What, what do you want to do that you will stick with? Because that's the type of workout that, that you is do. crucial. I talked about that yeah. with, with my last guest as well. And, uh, she likes doing, yeah, she likes doing yoga and Pilates and I, I've done yoga before. I, I, I appreciate it, but it's not something I'm going to do regularly. Uh, I personally have gotten to the routine of doing, you know, more strength training and weightlifting and that's worked for me. I never thought I would, but that's what's stuck and that's what I'm sticking with. And, um, that's not for everybody. Like 
for her, she's like, I tried that, not for me. Um, and I was actually, she was like, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I was doing it for validation from other people and not for myself. And, you know, the yoga and the Pilates she does for herself. So that's also really important too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's accepting, I mean, back to the, your original point. I mean, I'm actually the opposite. I, in college, I had the nickname grandma. So I go to bed at like nine, nine 30. And there are times where I'm like, I'm relatively young. I should be out and like having fun with friends and blah, blah, blah. But I really come to this place where I'm like, I have fun with friends, but during the daytime and part of it feels sometimes a little yucky. And I prefer that I was more of a night owl, but there it's me. I I'm the person that wants to go to bed early and wake up early. And that's not necessarily better or worse than the person that stays up late and wakes up late. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, just a different, a different way of, of being. And I think instead of just constantly, I think something that I take away so much from working in this field is we're over pathologizing things that don't need to be pathologized. And we're having a hard time accepting who we are as humans, because there's really, you hear it all the time. This is another cliche that there's no normal. And I truly believe that it's just, it's just our way of being. Um, and so, yeah, in my little soapbox here, maybe <laughs> you're just a night owl and that's, that's fine and dandy too. Yeah. Yeah. I think there can be a little bit of a balance there too. Like, I don't think it's healthy to sleep until like one or two in the afternoon. <laughs> well, that's where the balance comes in. But yeah. maybe like, yeah. okay, I'm not forcing myself to get up at 6 a.m. Right. And I don't know exactly how you were navigating the situation, but yeah, uh, you know, finding a, a happy medium. Yeah. It's still a work. In, it, it's a very much a work in progress. <laughs> like today I got up at like, today I was off work. I, I had a doctor's appointment at 9.15. But I got up normally, uh, I would get up and I wouldn't, I would get up at like 9.45, get ready, get dressed, and then go to the appointment and be right on time for the appointment. This time I was like, no, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get up earlier. I have a house. I have to take care of my lawn. I was like, I'm going to mow. I'm going to be the guy that's mowing early for once. Um, And I pretty much got almost all of it done. I didn't get up quite up early enough to mow the whole lawn, which I'm not beating myself up for. I'm actually glad I got up early earlier than I did in general. And uh, that's just one example that I've done and I implemented today. Cause I was like, I didn't want to take all these days off work and just like waste them sleeping, you know? Right. Yeah. But if I do end up sleeping in tomorrow, I need to not use that as a, just a reason to beat the crap out of myself either. So, cause I don't think I have anything that early tomorrow. So <laughs> exactly. Cause I don't know how late I'll be up tonight. I mean, I got a bunch of, uh, editing to do for podcasts which is which is good i have three that will come out before this one uh so i've been really just knocking them out <laughs> knocking them out left as much as i can uh because not only do i like doing them i also know that i'm not going to have the time with work over the next couple months If you're listening and haven't dropped a review and you're listening on Apple or Spotify, I'd really appreciate it. It takes about two seconds. Unless you don't like the podcast, then don't drop a review. I'm just kidding. Let me know if you have a guest that you want to see on here. I'll try to get them. I'll do my best. mdoverthinker at gmail.com is the way to get a hold of me. Back to the episode. For the most part, you know, not everyone can completely loves their job but i'm i look at i've been looking at my job a lot differently than i was for a little while for a little while i was like oh i need to get out of this job because i'm in customer service uh i mean the customer service part where i work with we call our uh clients members as well uh so i'm used to that terminology uh 
And, you know, I work with a lot of members that are employees of different companies and I help them enroll in benefits. Well, I don't do that all day anymore, but that's how I used to do. I'm in leadership now. So I coach and monitor and help people that are on the phones enrolling people in benefits. And when something gets really crazy or there's a fire that needs put out or somebody's really mad, they talk to me. So I am the escalator. I'm the de-escalator, negotiator, hostage negotiator type of situation sometimes. People get really angry and people get really upset. And sometimes they're justifiably upset. Sometimes they're not. And that takes a toll on you uh, mentally, uh, especially if the person's, you know, uh, really rude and tough to deal with. And uh, at a certain point, we're allowed to, you know, disconnect calls, but we do our best to not do that because uh, our clients are, that's, you know, that's what they hired us to do. And uh, it takes a toll on you dealing with people like that. And the only time I'm ever on the phone with somebody, it's usually somebody that's really upset. And uh, being able to either de-escalate the situation or turn it into a it is what it is type of situation and this is it. I'm sorry to be the messenger here, but this is what's going on. I I try not to take things personally, but at the but I know it takes a toll on me mentally. Uh, and you know, it's not a job that just anyone can do. Right. So I'm kind of, uh, but at the same time, my company lets me take time off work. Usually except for October, November, they're kind of, uh, I mean, you can take time off, but you'll be, uh, heavily uh critiqued about that uh trying to take time off during our busiest time of the year which is fine i'm as understandable uh but the rest of the year they're kind of lenient about me taking time off and you know i can work from home and having a therapy appointment during the middle of the day if i need to and that's another thing that's good about telehealth and virtual virtual visits is I can do that. I don't have to take that extra time to drive to an appointment and back and take that out of my work day. Uh, when I could just, you know, be like, Oh, I need 50 minutes or an hour. And then log onto the, that it's like almost like having another meeting in my day, basically. Yeah, definitely time to engage in that self-compassion. That's what I'm trying to do. And I'm also just doing what I really enjoy doing uh, while I have this time off is the podcast and doing I about a year ago, I started getting into stand up comedy and uh, I really have found a, that's like another therapy for me, uh, another a good outlet for me. Uh, I've always enjoyed being able to make people laugh. I got in a lot of trouble for it when I was a kid. Um, and it's nice to be able to do that. And people are paying to see me sometimes. Uh, so I've been doing open mics that are like out of town. Uh, I went to, I don't know how familiar you are with Iowa, but Cedar Rapids is about an hour and a half from here. I did went to an open mic there last night and going to go to Dubuque tonight, which is about tonight, which is about an hour away and just doing things like that. Uh, and also um, there's a pr- couple of projects around my house that I've started and uh, that I've kind of left on the back burner just because I'm just like, after work, I'm just like, I don't want to really do anything. You know, I was a little bit burnt out and I needed to take this time to decompress and for myself and, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that because not everybody gets, you know, the amount of time, uh, the availability to take time off like my company lets me. So I'm looking at that as, okay, I, you know, certain companies, they'd be like, you got to just tough this out, you know, 
but my company's cool enough to, you know, use your time. They encourage you to use your time off and take that time to work on whatever you need to work on, or, you know, just work on, work on nothing. If you, <laughs> you know, just relax, you know? So I'm trying to do a little bit of relaxing and also just passion project type of stuff while I have my time off and, before we get into the nitty gritty of things for our busy season. Just a reminder that I will be dropping a new episode every Monday until the end of 2022. So make sure you subscribe on where you get your podcast. So you are notified as soon as that episode drops on Monday, trying to drop it at 8 a.m. Central time every Monday. So stay tuned for those new episodes. They're going to keep on rolling, baby. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up here? I think uh, I know you probably have more work to do. And I also am going to be meeting with my OCD therapist here pretty soon. So that's fun. Um, No, just, I guess like a a recap of some of the things you talked about, just making sure to not bully ourselves into being self-compassionate or being hard on ourselves. We're not being self-compassionate and, Mm -hmm. um, being mindful of that, but then also trying our best to make sure that our behaviors align with our values and our logic um, versus our fears. So those are some takeaways and that nothing lasts for forever. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you taking the time today and uh, yeah, I'll let you know uh, more uh, as far as when to expect the episode to be live and yeah we'll kind of go from there and we'll stay in touch all right thanks again for having me yeah thank you take care bye you too bye